Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. Um, that was a song called Block Party by Good News Tunes. So, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Uh, again, finding our royalty free music. So, Red Triangle Sports Podcast brought to you by our Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast brought to you by Red Triangle Sports. Um, joining me tonight, Shane Stein. Take your ball and go home. Good to be here, Matt. Good to have you. I'm excited for the trivia you're bringing to the table tonight. And then also joining uh, famous checkers player Phil Bruce from the Seawolves. How you doing, Phil? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I'm, I'm doing great. No that problem. That music is, is terrible. But uh, congrats <laughs> to all the playoff teams. Looking forward to it. Great tournament here. All right, so yeah, we're going to be talking playoff football tonight. Uh, but first, while well, we also need to talk about a busy waiver wire last night, or actually, I guess, anticlimactic in my opinion, we'll, t- we'll get a little tidbit in for each one of the non-participants for this weekend. But uh, first and most importantly, we have two trivia questions, right? Phil, you want to start with yours? Yes. So first thing I wanted to touch on... Was, also um, joining us, Virginia Bruce on the podcast. Yeah. Hi, Virginia. How are you? Yeah, so that, that's that's my daughter who's crying in the background. <laughs> um, first thing, it's, it's more of a statement, but uh, just a stat that I stumbled across this morning was last year the number one fantasy quarterback for the entire season was Russell Wilson. Yep. And he had 399 points in standard six-point touchdown scoring format. This year, Mahomes already has 405 points with four games left. So um, thought that was pretty spectacular and, and goes to my point of just how valuable of a keeper this guy is going to be. But uh, trivia for tonight, just really quick, there's a few surprising names on this list, which is why I wanted to ask it. Give me the top 10, it's actually 11, I think, top 10 NFL leaders in receptions this season. You want to go first, Matt? Um, sure, because none of them are on my team, I don't think. So uh, I'll go with Mr. Adam Thielen. Correct. Thielen has 98. He is number one. Who is Zach Ertz? Zach Ertz, tight end, number two. He has 93. Nice. Shane's been looking at his stuff. Back-to-back, one and two. This is good. Now go for number three. Um, all right, number three. I got, I, got, I got to go with Julio Jones. He's got 200 more yards than everybody else. Julio Jones is number four. He has 86. All right, I'll take it. Oh, man. I am fresh out. <laughs> um, I still feel like... I still feel like... Yeah. Could you say, Shen, I missed it. Feel like Antonio is still going to be on that list. Antonio is number nine. He's got 81. All right. Um, I think number three 
is that of the 80% catch rate, Michael Thomas. Correct. Michael Thomas, number three at 91 catches this season. Oh, man. We're going Stump the Schwab style. like it. We're going Stump the Schwab style. <laughs> surprising names I thought he's tied for seventh with 83 so he's got two more catches than Antonio Brown does um <laughs> football was just set back about 15 years uh Titans punt returner muffs it on the five scoops it up runs backwards into the end zone where he's swallowed by seven Jaguars for a safety so <laughs> that's our uh, that's our Thursday night matchup tonight all right, so we have six on the board. Juju is a good one. Um, how about Keenan? No, he's not on there. Um, he had if he played the Steelers. Keenan, Keenan Allen is number seven. He's tied with Juju. Fifty-three. Right. I'll take it. Um, if he played the Steelers every week, he'd have broken the record by now. I think I'm pretty sure I have more at least. Uh, Devontae Adams has to be on there. Ah, uh, yeah. Devontae Adams is number five. He has eighty-five catches. Well, I think Travis Kelsey's on this list. I was gonna guess him too. He's got to be close. Good guess. He good guess. He's number twelve. He has seventy nine. Oh man. Oh, I know why you asked this. You did. You asked reception. Okay. All right. I, I asked to because I didn't know if you guys realized Juju was ahead of Antonio Brown receptions this season. That was the primary reason. The other names are ones you should get, but I'll, I'll let you guys keep going. Uh. So what do we have? How many do we have? We have eight. We have two more. More. Number six and number ten. There, there, there's two guys tied at ten, so we have one more additionally. About. About OBJ. Still, he still has a lot. OBJ number 13, he's got 77. Right in front of Mr. James White of the New England Patriots, who has 74. What about Christian McCaffrey? Oh, there you go. McCaffrey, number 10. He's tied. He's one of the guys tied for number 10 with 80 receptions. That was the other reason. So the, the, the surprising names were McCaffrey and, and Juju for me. Plus, Ertz, just putting in perspective of having that good of a season. Um, but the, the other guys you guys should get. Uh, Who's that? Hopkins. Hopkins, also number 10. Yep, he has 80. So there's only one name on here I think that you guys still need to get. Uh, um, Mike Evans. Kind, kind of surprising. Mike Evans? No, Evans is number 18. He has only has 66. Huh. He's got a big uh, yards per catch then, because I think he's like third or fourth in yards. How about... How about Saquon? Saquon is not it. He's number 14. He's tied with James White with 74. 
So this guy's a wide receiver in an offense that um, I guess it's surprising how much they're tossing it this season, at least for me. Um, Let's go one one final guess each. um, I'll say Robert Woods. He's, on, he's a teammate of somebody else that's on this list. Teammate of somebody else that's on the list. Oh, well, Diggs. Look, not a Falcon, not a Packer. Who'd you, who'd you guess, Cos? It's Diggs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Diggs. So Diggs is number six. He has 84. Question. Good question. Yeah, not okay. bad. First, right. first good thing you've done all 2018. Nice. players with two or more touchdowns in a game this season? Three times. Oh, three, three times. times. Gotcha. I will, go, I will go first. I pick Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley has done it five times. Um, I will go with Alvin Kamara, who's done it twice, Alvin. I believe. Done it five. Five? Yes. God, I don't pay attention around the team. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder who has those guys and if their team's any good. <laughs> yeah. And they've been talking about how great their team is um let's go with james connor james connor has not done it three times he's done it twice um i honestly didn't i didn't even mark down but uh i'm not sure <laughs> he, did, he did it against the browns he did it against the chargers i really thought he had one more and sprinkled in there So you think he did it multiple times? You're correct. Connor did. I'm okay. sorry. He's the only person in the league I did not look at because he was down your or below your 37 players you have on your bench. There goes our last subscriber. Well, I have uh, I got a, another player for you, Eric Ebron. God. All right. So Eric Ebron did it three times. Yep. Yes, Phil. James Connor did it five times. That is my mistake. Okay. How about Mixon? Bill Mixon only did it one time. 
Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's done it four times. That's incredible, right? Like all the all the three touchdown games that these guys are having, right? Yeah, I mean these are two touchdown games, but yes. Sorry, three or more two touchdown games. I thought we were saying how many three touchdown games. My bad. Yeah, multiple touchdowns in the same game at least three times. Okay. Um, has Chubb done it? Nick Chubb three times. Ooh, good call. Twice in his last two games. Number one keeper. He's a stud. Um. Three times with two touchdowns. Uh, Saquon. Saquon. How many? All right. Let's go, uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans has not done it. I don't. He hasn't even done it once this year. So we got four guys left, right, Shane? You have one, two, three, four, five guys left. So Barkley wasn't on the list? Uh, he was on the list. Yeah, oh. that's correct. There were 12 people. 12, that's right, Connor. Um, all right. Um, three two-touchdown games. I don't think he did it enough, so I can't say Aaron Jones as much as I would love for Aaron Jones to be on this list, too. Um, Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas did not do it. Oh. He did it, he did it twice, so. Okay. The reason I did ask this question is, though, is nine of 12 players will be in this year's softball playoffs. So it's no surprise that the teams that score most touchdowns are the teams that have had the most success this year in our in our league. So Chubb and Connor are the two right now. So far, Chubb and Connor are the only that you got. There's yeah. one more that's... Uh, how, about, how about give me a James White? Good pull, buddy. James White has done it three times this year. I'll go with his fellow uh, clan... Tandem MG3. Has done it three. Well, it's Melvin Gordon for you uh, people that don't know who MG3 is. Uh, Terry Kill. Four times. Wow. Um, Devontae Adams. more than a feeling. He has not done it once this year. Oh, wow. Talking to me. Got to find that one more non-playoff guy. This one's a, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Oh, I know who it is. 
Tariq Cohen. It is not Tariq Cohen. Oh. He's had some monster games. Tariq Cohen has done it. No, actually, I don't think he's done it at all this year. Um, Latavius Murray. <laughs> that is not Latavius Murray. No, that was actually a serious guess. All Sorry. right, so we got two guys left. Why don't you give them to us? Travis Kelsey has done it three, to- three times for the Chiefs. Okay. And guy that's not in the playoffs, still burning, Adrian Peterson has done it three times this year. Oh, wow. Multiple touchdowns. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that nine guys, there's only three I thought it was only two. I forgot about Connor. Our guys that didn't make the playoffs this year. So just goes to show how important touchdowns are going to be, and getting those guys that can score multiple touchdowns are going to swing matchups in uh in the playoffs here. Looks like a uh, no surprise. The desert three of those guys and the Clint guys as well. So I feel like those are some good analytics going into draft strategy next season. Just get the guys that are going to score multiple touchdowns a lot. <laughs> Do Do your best to get Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara for next season. (laughs) Well, I do think it is important to find teams that um, don't mix things up at the goal line uh, and inside the 10. Like, the Rams are a team that runs the football inside the 10. The Saints as well, even though Breeze does a lot to get them down there. Um, But the Saints also switch it up a lot, too. Between Ingram and, and Kamara, so I don't know if that necessarily holds true. Um, not at the goal line. Kamara is the goal line guy. Um, but and it also I think depends on the caliber of opponent they're playing. Um, but you know, you look at the the other guys on that list. I mean, the Steelers when Ben allows them to, they run at the goal line. Um, McCaffrey's just incredible. So that I don't know if we could have ever pegged a guy like him to be that, but yeah, good, uh, good, good trivia questions tonight, guys. Anytime I can get Gurley and Kamara involved, Kaz is going to be all about that, all about that <laughs> trivia question. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I love my guys. Um, all right. So the waiver wire last night, I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about what the bids needed to be. You know, you had two guys out there. It's pretty rare you have running backs out there on the waiver wire that are projected to get, you know, 14-plus points on ESPN's projection machine. There were two of them out there last night, Jalen Samuels and Jeff Wilson, Jr. Uh, Full disclosure, if you're saying that you've ever heard of Jeff Wilson, Jr. before last week, you're a liar. (laughs) I literally had never heard of this guy. And, uh... What? Yeah. Um, so I was the leader in the clubhouse in terms of draft dollar or fab dollars of all the playoff teams. So um, had a spot to burn with Malcolm Brown going out, and also you know potential to drop Le'Veon Bell. But made the decision not to put any money on Samuel. So I thought you know Eddie and Troy and Bull all kind of in the same ballpark. Thought there would be a real battle, and it ends up that. Um, Eddie's the only one to put a bid in for Jalen Samuels. He backs that up with a Jeff Wilson bid for the same amount. 
so he doesn't get Wilson because he adds Samuels, and Fegley's the only other one to build, bid on Jeff Wilson Jr. Nobody else has any bids in for those two running backs. Um, I was really surprised by that. I don't know if you guys feel the same. Yeah, I would have thought everyone should have had, <laughs> had at least some kind of bid in on Samuels. situation over another flex option that's already a little bit more tried and true and they'd rather see the, another week play out before they pull the trigger on it I, I don't think Eddie is necessarily um, has that flexibility with his roster but um, I kind of I get it but I also I also get it's it's tough to play for a, a two week outlook which is probably what Samuels would have been for some of these first round players now if, I, if I'm sitting there with a buy I think it's definitely worth a flyer to pick him up now, see how the situation plays out, and then maybe he's a flex play next week. Yeah, and that was my uh, that was my my back and forth. Um, like I said, Malcolm Brown heads to IR with clavicle surgery, so my back and forth in my head was okay. Connor got ruled out super early this week, um, makes his week fifteen status even more questionable in my opinion. Um, I liked the matchups against the Patriots and against the Saints in weeks 15 and 16. But for my specific team, having the Todd Gurley handcuff is far more important, um, I think. So that's why I, I went the route I went in adding John Kelly rather than making the bid for one of the other guys. I agree with you. But at the same time, Gurley doesn't get hurt anymore. For, for He's like invincible. I, mean, I, I can't remember the last time he's missed a game. <laughs> you got to love hearing that on the pod. It's been a while. It's been a while. And for 99-yard touchdown. Who did? Stop. Ran for a 99-yard score. Oh, my gosh. Kept Rodgers over him. <laughs> That's sickening. Whatever. Uh, yeah, no one has him in our playoffs. All right. So Spears does um, have to go out and add a tight end. I mean, Kyle Rudolph, probably the top tight end out there um, on the market. So he adds him for $12. That's a fine bid. Eddie gets the, um, the Manny Sanders backup, I guess, with Deshaun Hamilton. Um, also don't know a whole lot about him. And the Seawolves add two non-factors to their keeper. Um, I, I would also argue that Deshaun Hamilton's also a non-factor. He played the most snaps for the Broncos last week and didn't get a single target. Yeah, yeah, he played eighty percent of the snaps, didn't get a target. Um, but now that Sanders is officially out, the, the targets obviously are going to switch around. So I guess if he's the Sanders owner, adding that player and getting on the ground floor before it gets dicey next week is the right move. So 
Yeah. Could be totally not important. Could be something that gets him through. Um, but but you're right. The, the moves I'm making are just somewhat borderline sad. <laughs> but um, it's, it, they're worth doing, in my opinion. Remember, I, I grabbed Holmes at the end of the season last year, and, and you all laughed at me. So go figure. Who? Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Something else I, I thought was, was noteworthy, it's nice to see Josh Allen getting added as a potential keeper for, for next season by Papa Cods. Yeah, he's not I'm better than... him on a roster at the end of the year. He's not better than Cup or Michelle as a keeper, but uh, he's been playing some good fantasy football lately, so... Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I kind of would have liked the, the Patriots to maybe pick him up in waivers for a dollar, save yourself the four bucks, but... He has no fab left. Ah, well, then that explains. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say something, but I forget. So. Josh Allen was, yeah. All right, so let's keep going with the agenda tonight. Um, this segment's called What Went Wrong. So we're going to talk about every team. Not in the playoffs, just so those guys get some burn here. Oh, that's what I wanted to bring up. Sorry. Talk to Spears. He listened to the podcast last week. His, I think, exact quote was, if that dude thinks Mahomes is going for 50 in the draft next year, he is out of his skull. (laughs) All right, well, I I guess I'll take him off his hands for Juju straight up. (laughs) You know, I, I, I guess I could make that deal. He's not gonna. He's not gonna make that trade. He's got his two keepers. Well, I guess he doesn't now, with Hunt. But we'll see what happens with Hunt. But uh, obviously, I think if Hunt's not a keeper, he's gonna keep Mahomes. But his point was he agreed with Shane and I that Hunt and McCaffrey should be his keepers over Mahomes. Yeah, but the situation's changed. Right? It has. It has changed. Obviously, yeah. So. That's going to change even, things. Even, but. I mean, and I, I made the argument even before Hunt did whatever to that girl that Mahomes should be kept on this roster, and he's not anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be all ears to, to make a deal. If you value the wide receiver position over the quarterback position, but let's do it. But I'm, I'm a big Mahomes fan. I've been very clear the last few weeks and throwing out the stat that I did tonight. I, I think the guy is uh, – Head shoulders better to keep up Um, he may be interested in listening to Connor from Mahomes in the off season. So, I don't think Juju's gonna that, get that done. That's not gonna happen. Okay. I mean, top five running backs for a dollar are uh, a unicorn. I mean, you've seen what owners that have those kind of assets do. And they talk about how great they are all the time. So that, that that's really my key to stardom. And I, and I can't wait to brag about picking him up for a dollar in this year's draft for like the next 10 years. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on to uh, the St. Louis Patriots. We'll start off them in our What Went Wrong segment. Uh, what went wrong with Papakaz's season? Season. Well, Matt Staff 
He had one offer yeah. for Michelle. He had one. It was you. And it was Russell Wilson for Sony Michelle straight up. And nobody's trading a $2 keeper running back for a quarterback. So I don't know what. Like, you don't make sense. Uh, I didn't know he lied to me. Because he told me he had multiple offers. He told me specifically what some of those offers were. So if I'm working on, for whatever reason, he's lying, then. We've literally yeah, I, talked I about this the last five podcasts. We've literally talked about this the last five podcasts you've been on. Every week you bring up, he had a Mark Ingram and 25 offer for Michelle, and every week I tell you that didn't happen, and you just choose not to listen. So that, that was the only offer on the table, the one I gave him? I, well, I didn't yeah. realize that, and that's not what he told me. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll send you the text as proof. Uh, okay, all right. Um... And you said he had two choices with Michelle. His choices were to either keep him and fold the season or trade him for value. And he didn't do either of those things. He did He did keep him and fold the season. He did exactly what you said he one of his two options were. Yeah, I, I, I said he had two options. He could hold on to him and just ride the season out. With Stafford and some of these other people. I just don't, yeah. I just don't know how you can say. And and try and upgrade. I just don't know how you can say that's what went wrong with his season when you just talked about having $1 running backs being a great thing and he kept a $2 running back and that's what went wrong with his season. A $1 running back in the Patriots system is a lot different than a $1 running back in like the Rams system or the Steelers system. I mean, they've historically been a running back by committee. They have a dedicated third down back. I don't 
It's it's not this. You're not comparing apples and to apples here. Michelle's been great every game. He's been the lead back. Um, you know, Dion Lewis. We saw what he did last year as the lead back. They are still the team that I believe runs the ball the most inside the five of any team in the NFL. So I would argue I would love to have a piece of the Patriots backfield as long as you have one of the two guys. So. That's... Well, then I messed up because I traded James White away, and I I should have held on to him. No, I think your situation is different. Um. You have a top ten wide receiver and the Steelers. I'd much rather have a Steelers running back than a Patriots, but I'm saying that that's still a good situation to be in. So yeah, it looks positive for the Patriots next year. Michelle and Cup eleven dollars. Um, my what went wrong was trading for Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard stinks. So and I I whiffed on that completely too. This season I had him in two of my teams, but I agree. McCoy and Stafford also didn't work out, but um, anytime you trade for what you think is going to be a top 10, top 12 running back and you get absolutely nothing of that caliber, uh, that's going to hurt. Alright. It's awkwardly silent now. Sorry about that. That was the one wrong. What? Stafford and McCoy, that's what went wrong. What about Jordan Howard? Alright, Jordan Howard's here. Yeah, he he was the Alf guy, so I mean at least he had what, what he thought was the handcuff at the time. Um, that whole situation was just crappy. Um, all right, Abusement Park. We'll go to them next. Uh, this team was touted as we should all just maybe not play this year because sure drafted the team he drafted, and uh, he finished four and nine. So what went wrong? No. He's still been an RB1. Hasn't been the production that you thought you were going to get. Where you think that you're going to get a top five guy. It's a lock. But he's still been a solid RB1 to play every week. Um, that being said, I mean, OB hasn't been a great year. Still been a good year, but hasn't been outstanding. You just didn't get the outstanding production that you thought he was going to get. Well, you had Breeze at quarterback, David Johnson and Zeke in the backfield, um, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Evan Ingram. Um, those were the the ones that, and then he had Crabtree, but, you know. Yeah. So, that's what it's, he It's with. tough. It's, like another, it's another season where it just feels like a mystery of why this team just wasn't better and why they didn't perform. I don't know. I mean, you look at that roster on draft day in a 12-team league, and they're a really good roster. And it just, for whatever reason, and consistent production from some of these studs, you know, you get into some of the, you bet on the wrong offenses that struggle at the wrong time of year, and, and that's what happened. I think DJ was bad early um, and inconsistent. So, yeah, I agree on that sense when you talk about inconsistent stars. Um, Crabtree produced no value. Cooper produced no value until he went to Dallas. Uh, 
by then he was already off um, Brandon's team. The big one, too, I thought Evan Ingram was going to be a monster at $9. Thought that was a great buy. That ended up being really bad. Um, you know, getting chubbed for a dollar was good. That's one thing that's worked out. Zeke's, Zeke even was disappointing in the beginning of the season. He was only probably in the 12 to 17 points per week range, not with not the kind of stuff that uh, Zeke's doing now. But, yeah, Crabtree, big clunker. Cooper, big clunker while he was on the team. Um, and Shepard was his flex, too, and he's kind of in the same boat as Ingram. That hasn't been much outside of Saquon and OBJ in that Giants offense. So, All right, let's move to the other 4-9 team, the Seawolves. What went wrong with the Seawolves? Phil, I'll let you diagnose your own squad first. Well, I effectively left the draft without adding any wide receivers. Um, Baldwin has been a shell of his former self um, and, and has been pretty much useless. He suited up three times for games where he didn't record a single point, whether that be due to injury or not being targeted and being a decoy. You know, it's, it's like all the downside of Julio Jones without any of the upside. Um so leaving the draft with him as my wide receiver one slash two killed my team. Josh Gordon not getting the shit together until week seven or eight with the Patriots killed me. I had a great running back core. Um, they just didn't they didn't mature quick enough. So um, Connor obviously was was great on day one. James White was was okay. Peyton Barber has turned into a very serviceable RB two slash three. And uh, he didn't do anything at the beginning of the season. Tampa Bay was really pass-heavy. Uh, I ended up getting Lamar Miller. But these guys just, you know, the running back core, as it would have been now, would be really good. I just had a whole bunch of these pieces that weren't that good until middle of the season. So putting that together, I, I got into some early holes. Everybody knows, because I keep talking about it, of how many points were put up against me. Right? I had the... Uh, third highest point total in our division, sixth highest overall, and, and I didn't make the playoffs. So, it, it, again, it is what it is. I'm in a great position for next season with James Conner at a dollar and Juju at, like, $8. I have max draft cash, so I'm going to be able to come in, fire, and be able to load up on uh, at least adding a true wide receiver one and an elite RB1 at the draft next year and be able to build around some of these younger guys. Yeah, I mean... For you, where it went wrong was your team didn't play any defense this year. <laughs> you, in the first 10 weeks of the season, you only faced a team that scored less than 110 once. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're, not, you're just not going to do well when, when you're facing that. I mean, you need to, well, you need to basically put up uh, over 110, 115, 120 points every week. You're, you're going to struggle. I mean, if I'm, just let me read off the scores that you faced. This year, 
Um, and I, I think as he was doing that, Christian McCaffrey like caught a tipped pass in the end zone for a touchdown in the, in the same week against me, and that was where I was just like, it's just not my season. Well, I'm going to take a different route as to what went wrong. I'm going to say Le'Veon Bell. Um, keep a $54 player of that caliber. I know we keep going back to what, but it effectively didn't matter because you got James Conner and that replaced Bell. It's still $54 of a what was $175 cap um, that you effectively got nothing out of. So anybody that's going to have $121 worth of players, um, they're not going to be able to compete. So I know you scored well even without Bell, um, but that's $54 of dead money. And when you combine that with Baldwin and Gordon, that ends up being $140 of dead money, essentially. So that that's killer. I, uh, I, I disagree. I did the same thing last season, but even worse, because I traded Le'Veon's price plus draft cap. I mean, that was two seasons ago. I don't remember, but I made the championship game keeping Le'Veon's salary on the books last year. But Le'Veon was good that draft cash. Le'Veon was awesome that year. Right. But your, your whole thing of starting with $120, you can't do it. I, I just did it last season. No, I'm saying you had a, I'm saying you got zero points from a $54 spot. Like, that can't happen. You could have had James Conner and then also $54 worth of players <coughs> somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Right. Um, I'm not saying keeping but, uh, Le'Veon Bell was bad. I'm saying keeping Le'Veon Bell and having him put up zero was bad. I'm all for keeping $54 players that but, put up top 10 fantasy running back seasons. That's great. <laughs> but, I, I, again, I, I got the same production as James Conner, so that's irrelevant. Like, that's a wash. Not irrelevant, Phil. You're it's, not understanding. <laughs> like, you would have had James Conner and not Le'Veon Bell. You would have still got the same production from Conner and then gotten production from a $54 player who, who went for that price. Like Joe Mixon went for right, roughly 50 bucks. Yeah. That, throw him into your lineup. Now you have Mixon and Connor. That's going to make your team a lot better than having Bell and Connor. Well, okay. And then sub out Baldwin for another $50 play. Like yeah, somebody else that went for that. Of course, that's going to be better in, in picking and choosing. Like, yes. And in, in hindsight, I could draft it in a solvable team right now. Yeah. But, the, but my point was, when you have $54 in dead money versus I spent 55 for Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, that wasn't the, the reason my team stuck. My team stuck because of Baldwin and because of Josh Gordon. And when I have $120 and 80 of it is spent on two wide receivers that don't do anything, that's why my, my season was in the tank. I feel like you think I'm like coming at you for keeping Le'Veon Bell. That's not at all what I'm saying. No, no, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I anybody could have drafted. Anybody could have drafted eighty-six dollars worth of bad wide receivers. Um, I drafted seventy-three dollars worth of average wide receivers. So anybody could have done that. I'm not coming at Gordon and Baldwin. Anybody could have kept a fifty-four dollar player. The, ba- the bad luck was him being zero. Draft last season. Or, uh, yeah, he goes for 100. I'm not saying you shouldn't have kept him. I, I, 
I know. We're, we're, not, we're not arguing. It's just, it's just a point I'm making. Okay. Saying so, Connor plus whatever you would have gotten with that $54 is better than Connor and the zero you got from Bell. Sure. That's right. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the playoff party's going to be a good time. All right. Um, let's go on to the hammer. What went wrong with the hammer? This was a bad draft. He made the most out of a bad draft. He did. Um, I think, obviously... I mean... Let's let's talk about what his starting lineup was essentially leading the draft. All right, so he keeps Fournette and Hopkins. Those are great. Uh, Fitzgerald for forty. There were a lot of people in on that bid. Can't knock that. Brady for fourteen is what it is. The rest of his starting lineup leaving the draft was Jamal Williams, Tevin Coleman, Tyler Eifert, and Jordy Nelson. Yes, I mean yeah. <laughs> Fournette as much. That, you know, that's going to sound hypocritical, um, but like Shane said, having Yeldon with Fournette, I know you're going to say the same thing with Bell and Connor, but it's not... I don't know why. It's just not the same. Um, I think with the money that you he had coming into this, you can't spend $14 for a quarterback. Brady was fine, but he wasn't Brady. Um, and I, I just think... Yeah, Fitzgerald. I can't. I was the one bidding with him for Fitzgerald, so I can't knock that. Um, I think Jamal Williams, bad thirteen dollars spent. I would have liked to see maybe Brady and Williams rolled together for a one dollar quarterback and maybe a mid twenties player. So I think those are the big ones. I'd like to talk about what went right with this team. Um, despite all this, he's got. Some interesting keepers in Tariq Cohen, Tevin Coleman, um, and obviously Fournette and Hopkins still at reasonable prices for next year. So, wait, so you were in on the Fitzgerald bidding more? Yeah, I was the thirty-nine bid. So Shane, next year, if Cause and I are bidding on the same wide receiver, please, please kick me. <laughs> or are you gonna go for eighteen again? What's uh? 
What's Fitzgerald? What is he in terms of like ranks? Thirty-three. He's come on lately. Yeah, he's had a few good games here in the last last few weeks. I mean, nobody was going to compete with the way Sam Bradford was playing um, in the beginning of the year. The way that offense specifically that they were running was atrocious. Um, I, I'm going to say Larry Fitzgerald's not done yet, but we'll see. It's got to be. Little- Yeah, I think he's still flex-worthy next year um, if he doesn't retire. That team's only going to get better. So, And looking back, I don't I don't know if I'd... I'd almost rather have Fitzgerald for 41 than Landry for 57. Um, but it's close. Yeah, you want to get shot in the hand or shot in the foot? Yep. That's right. Got to <laughs> got to take my lessons from the team that's four and nine. Um, all right. Oh my god. So the other team with five wins was. Say it. Go ahead. Oh, it was you. Sorry, no. I really I was waiting for my standing screen to load. Uh, take your ball and go home. So what went wrong with Shane's team? This is very obvious. The take your ball and go home running backs leaving that faithful draft was um, five players totaling eight dollars. Uh, Garrett Blunt for one dollar, C.J. Anderson, the the most well paid running back on this team, four dollars. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, one dollar. Doug Martin, one dollar. Chris Ivory, one dollar. That is, if I've ever seen one, um, a 2009 who's who list of fantasy running backs. Um, I think his book was from t- 2009, the one he was using to draft. <laughs> yeah, that stinks. Um, I'm just gonna say a little different. I think it was obviously trading Kareem Hunt for Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah. You can draft those five guys with Kareem Hunt, and you can make it work. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you still probably make the bid for Lindsey, and you got Watson, and now we're looking at a totally different team, one that's probably um, competing with me for the division crown. So. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, I mean, trading Hunt for, for Rodgers was kind of where it went wrong. If I, if I have Kareem Hunt and put the same roster... Uh, I probably have eight, nine wins at least, and been pretty in the playoff picture right now. But well, obviously with Hunt going down, it would hurt. But I mean, my season would have been would have been much better. Um, Rogers pointing was was another another big hit for my team. I mean, you expected him to be pretty much QB one, QB two, and he just wasn't that this year. Um, that was obviously big. I feel like I. I mean, I hit on my, my, my wide receivers, obviously. I did well there, exactly what I wanted to do, but just didn't get any production from the running backs. I'm going to take a little bit of a different route, Shane. If you, uh, I was 2018, so if you get offended easily, 
just go ahead and start tuning me out now. But I'm going to say it was just a complete lack of plan going going into the draft. The zero RB strategy is one that it can be executed on, but it was clear after Antonio Brown, you didn't really know what the rest of your team was going to look like. And the zero RB strategy, that the guys that you got weren't even – like they're not even flyers. They're, they're not even guys that other people wanted to bid on. The, the C.J. Andersons and, and, and Chris Ivories of the world aren't – they weren't even like deep, deep sleepers, not even for dynasty purposes. Um, so it was just like a total lack of preparation for the draft is, is what did this team in from the start. That's a pretty fair assessment. I didn't prepare at all. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I, – I, I can't remember – were we, were we four hours of land sharks in when you made that cream hunt deal? Yeah, we were. We were pretty pretty tuned up at the July party. I know Spears. Uh, I know Spears showed up sober uh, after the party had already been well into the the evening, and then you made the move. So. Yeah, we can uh, we can chop that one up too. Don't drink uh, and trade either. Don't drink and trade. <laughs> Everyone was craving for a little Sons of Fantasy action, and Shane was like, "Oh, I've had a few. Let's uh, let's make something happen here." Yes, sir. But you thought Mahomes was going to. You, was you wanted out on Cream Hunt. Wentz, I'm sure. You wanted out on Cream Hunt because you thought Mahomes was going to stink. True. <laughs> Chiefs' offense was going to be pretty bad, and I was way off. Oh man, that's good. It's funny. It's funny to talk about. It'd be funny if anybody said it. Um, I think we all, we all missed on the Chiefs offense. Nobody knew it was going to be this ridiculous. No, no. That would have been impossible to predict. Um, last non-playoff team, let's go to the Mad Dogs. They miss out uh, despite finishing 7-6, and six, which um, historically has been good enough, but just didn't have, the, uh, didn't have any of the tiebreakers, lowest scoring points of those teams. So what went wrong for Micah? In year two. Uh, Can we get a refresh on the opening day roster? Yep. So his starting lineup um, leaving the draft was Marcus Mariota, Alex Collins, Lamar Miller, Chris Hogan, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Jordan Reed, Demarius Thomas. Yeah. You, You said it right there. There's a lot of players on that list that underperformed expectations. Um, and then he pulled the trigger too early on, on Miller with me, I think. And uh, Miller's turned out to be a pretty good player second half of the season. I, I, I think he's aware of that. And um, at the time, Foreman was scheduled to come back any week at that point. So it wasn't certainly wasn't an egregious trade, but it was one that worked out in my favor, albeit for a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, for this team, I feel like it was kind of just a, a lack of star power for me. I mean, there's just not enough, not enough top top level talent to compete. Did a nice job piecing everything together throughout the year, I thought, but not enough top level talent to keep this team to the point where you need to be to win in this league. It almost reminds me of my 2016 draft. Um, my four big money guys in 2016 were Eddie Lacy, Sammy Watkins, Alan Hearns, and Kobe Fleener. 
Um, his four big money guys were Alex Collins, Lamar Miller, Chris Hogan, Demarius Thomas. Four swings, four whiffs, in my opinion. Um, and when you wrap up about $140 into whiffs, that's uh, it's going to be hard. It's amazing you won seven games. Yeah. yeah he, did, he did a great job piecing <laughs> it together, getting the most out of what he, what he had. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of, of like big talent on this team. He just kind of pieced together a roster every week, it seemed like. Um, Devontae Adams obviously locked and loaded as a keeper for next year for the Mad Dogs. It's going to be tough to keep Keenan Allen for 37. Um, he's been fairly inconsistent, so it'll be interesting to see where the Mad Dogs go. Um, I don't know what his money situation is like. I feel like he's probably middle of the pack. Um, but not a whole ton. Does he, have, uh, does he have draft cash to spend before next year, or is he matched? That's what I'm not sure. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I can. Try I feel to... like he's going to be a buyer for that second spot. Um, he gave you five dollars draft cash. He got gave my dad two dollars. He got five dollars, so I think he's like down two dollars maybe in draft cash. So not not yeah. bad. But I could see him. Uh, I could see him moving on from Keenan Allen. I'm um, just not sure with who. I mean, I'm not sure Hunter Henry's a keeper. Um, and let's see what Josh Adams does the rest of the season. Yeah, I was gonna say Josh Adams. I'm not. I'm not in much on that. Uh, but we'll see. Well, they'll tell you. Well, they'll tell you how good he is by what they do in the off season, and if they bring somebody else in to draft somebody early on. If not. Then it's his backfield to lose. He's worth a flyer. Yeah, if they don't bring anybody in, but um, I think obviously you know Corey Clement's going to probably be around. Who knows what a Jai situation will be? They'll probably draft another running back somewhere in the middle of the draft, bring him into the mix. Yeah, I thought I thought a Jai was going to be a free agent. Is he okay? And they're obviously in play for um, Bell and or Kareem Hunt. So. Um, it's going to be interesting there. I, I, he may end up keeping Allen by default. Or, he, obviously, you know, you can trade for somebody. So, you can you can arguably trade for keepers in the offseason uh, cheaper than you can, you know, they cost less because anyone's just looking to get anything for players they're not going to keep. So Yeah, and I know he doesn't want to do this, but... He might be able to package up a Devontae Adams and some cash and get two really high-quality keepers, one of them at the running back position. Yeah, yeah, maybe he wants to, you know, get Darius Geis or something like that, so. Yeah, quality. <laughs> All right, speaking of Darius Geis, it's time to break down our uh, round one matchups here. Steel Curtain, 10-3, and three, coming in as the three seed, uh, going up against Fleetwood Franchise. Got the last tiebreaker um, over total points over his brother Micah. Ty, making the playoffs for the first time uh, officially in 2018. We have now seen every team in the, in the league at least make the playoffs once with both the Franchise and the Weevils uh, getting in this year as the five and six seeds. We'll start off with the three-seeded Curtain, 0-2 in their playoff history. 
in both matchups, they've lost a player to injury. Um, so be interesting to see if that were to happen again during the game. Uh, this time they lose Mandy Sanders before the game. So I'll start off with that question. Can Eddie survive this week and moving forward without Emmanuel Sanders in his lineup? I'm going to read you some numbers, and you can guess what they are. 2.1, 2, 4.8, 5.5. Those are four games of Kenyon Drake's output this season. He's also had a lot of other high-scoring games sprinkled in there, but he's complete boomer bust. Um, same thing goes for Vance McDonald. Same thing's going to go for Samuels. There's way too many boomer bust potential on this roster for me to think that they're going to perform this week. Eddie and I were talking right after Sanders went down, and he said uh, he's got a team that can win a game or two without Sanders, but he doesn't feel like he has a team that can win at all now without Sanders. So um, that's a big loss. It's nice having you know Michael Thomas, obviously, as a premier wide receiver, one in the league. Having Sanders right behind him was, uh, was nice because of the consistent production Sanders has had so far this year. Um, so I think that's gonna that's gonna be tough to make up. Godwin, despite us talking about him last week, has looked pretty good this year actually. Um, and with Deshaun Jackson being out, Godwin stepped up, caught a touchdown last week. He has the Saints this week, so um, and it's not in New Orleans. So yeah, I think Godwin should be able to put up a good game. But uh, that Manny Sanders injury, that's that's brutal. Um, next question for Ed's team. Right now he's got three Steelers in the starting lineup. Uh, Big Ben, Vance McDonald, Jalen Samuels, and actually the Steelers D. He's got four. Um, Steelers notoriously an awful road team. Oakland notoriously the worst team in the league this year. Something's got to give. Uh, how do you feel about him having all those Steelers in the lineup this week? I'm, I'm good about it. This is the bounce-back game for them. Um, I mean, the Steelers' season's effectively over. Now that they've lost two in a row, this is where they blow out Oakland out by, like, 30. I, uh, I think this is a statement game for them. They get into the playoffs as the four seed and then uh, either lose in, in the opening round or, or get embarrassed at either Kansas City or, or New England. But... Um, I like the Steelers' D this week. I like Big Ben this week, even though he's on the road. Samuels, we'll, uh, we'll see what the game script says. If the Steelers would have won last week, I would say no way I want them this week. But I feel like that they lost, they're actually going to play really well this week. I feel like this would have been a game where, like, oh, if they were riding high, going into Oakland, like, everyone would have been on them. They would have put up a clunker. But... I think with the, the way they need to win this week, I think they're going to have a, a good week in Oakland. Just, and plus, Oakland 
was so terrible that it's, it's going to be hard to stop. But I think Big Ben has a good game. Interested to see what Samuels does. I think he puts up flex numbers. And then Vance McDonald, I mean, who knows? I mean, but you're not expecting much out of your tight end spot. Yeah, I think uh, Big Ben has a good game as well. Um, totally agree with everything you guys said about them needing to bounce back here. I just, they have, all, the only concern I have is they've notoriously taken miserable teams on the road for granted. Um, but coming off two straight losses, that should hopefully mitigate that factor. Um, I'm concerned about the blend of... Good. I was going to say, I mean, last week, that loss against the Chargers felt so much like the loss against New England last year, where they knew they couldn't go on the road and, and beat the Patriots at Foxborough in the regular... And so when they lost that in the regular season, and they lost home field advantage. Now, there's no way any team can go to Kansas City and then go to New England or vice versa to get to a Super Bowl. I mean, it's going to be a, a two-horse race in the AFC. I think the Steelers know it. I, I would assume a, a lot of the, the fans know it. But um, now it's just about having fun and, and riding out the rest of the season, and, and I think that's why they blow out Oakland because they're going to be playing a lot looser and they're not going to be worried about seeding in the playoffs or anything like that. I don't think anybody's going to have to go to New England and go to Kansas City because I think Houston's going to be a top-two seed. Um, just for a counterpoint. Um, what, um, what, what, what's the seeding right now? Houston's the two right now, I believe. No, okay. New England's the two right now. Oh, really? Okay. I see New England dropping one yeah, more. I don't see... Okay. Yeah, Maybe. I think they actually could lose to the Steelers. Um, I know they own them, but I just I don't like this New England team much at all. I mean, watching Keenan Allen get lined up against a linebacker <laughs> all game on Sunday night makes me really scared for what the Patriots are, are going to do. I could see it being like James White running circles around an outside linebacker all game. Well, here's my big Ben rant for the week. Um, they lost that game because he is massively inconsistent as a quarterback. He in no way gives them the ability to dictate the tempo of the game um, because he just constantly misses on passes that he should complete to keep the sticks moving. Way too many three and outs with the lead. Um, way too many punts and non-extended drives because he just does not have the consistent ability to keep drives going. Um, so that's my big Ben rant. I don't think they're ever going to win another Super Bowl with him at quarterback. So, well, I, I think unfortunately that I think we've seen the retirement of the run pass offense in, in this in this Steelers offense because I don't know if you watched it last week where they called another run pass option and Big Ben took it out of the running back's gut and threw it right in a, a linebacker's gut again back to back weeks without even looking at his receiver. Luckily, the linebacker dropped it this time, but. Um, you know, he's a gunslinger. Anytime you give him the option to, to chuck it, that's exactly what he's going to do. So I was saying, um, I, I think the combo, the blend of McDonald and Samuels is one that is problematic for me. I think those guys, maybe their production runs into each other. I feel like they're both, um, you know, probably touchdown dependent. 
and I don't see a game script where both of them get in the end zone. Um, so it would be. I think he just has the wrong collection of Steelers. Ben Ben should get his in this game. He should probably throw about three touchdowns. Um, but McDonald and Samuels, I just I think he's going to need like you, like you guys said in the beginning in trivia. Touchdowns are going to win playoff games, and I just think he's going to struggle to get touchdowns from those guys. Yep, I'm looking at his roster right now, and I just don't know where the touchdowns are all going to come from. And you got to expect that Thomas should probably get one, but I mean, after that, I'm not sure where where all the TDs are going to come from this week. He's going to need a big. He's going to need a big Big Ben game. Um, all right, last question for Eddie's team. Uh, Michael Thomas and Joe Mixon both limited in practice this week, arguably his two best players outside of the quarterback position. Um, he's going to need both these guys to step it up. Are you guys concerned at all with um, the limited practice for both those guys? I, I'm extremely concerned, mostly because of the huge drop-off in production between those guys and what he has on the bench. Yeah, I mean, clearly, if they don't play, I mean, his season's over. But he needs he needs them to play and play well. Um, I don't know that I'm that concerned about Thomas. I think he'll be fine. And Tempe's going to give up points. I'm a little concerned about Mixon. Um, I feel like the Bengals could could mail this one in here the rest of the way. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Thomas, the Saints need to keep rolling. Um, they need to hope that Chicago maybe pulls one off this week against the Rams so they can get back in the NFC driver's seat. Um, there is literally nothing stopping the Bengals from pulling the plug on Mixon this season and just saying, hey, we're going to leave our young running back rested and ready to go and see if we can you know, regroup for 2019. So, yeah, not necessarily um, guys that you want to be rolling in with um, on teams, This the situations that he has, so... Well, and that, that, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. But also, it's in their best interest to limit his stats, too, for when it comes contract time, because he's still on that rookie deal, right? So they don't, they don't want him to blow it out the rest of the year and command more money when it comes time to resign him. Especially if he starts catching passes again, because we've seen elite running back. And I'm a wide receiver, too, so I need to make running back one money for $12 million, and I need to make wide receiver two money for $6 million and get paid $18 million a year. You sound like a man that's bitter. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I sure am. <laughs> All right, let's go to... Well, mostly, as a, mostly as a fan. I know, I, uh, I wasn't talking it. fantasy, I was talking as a Steelers fan, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Fleetwood franchise. Um... What's the line in this game? ESPN's got them as .2 favorites. So, um, ironically enough, a couple weeks ago after the trade deadline, Eddie sends a email out to the league saying that you know he's got two top five quarterbacks available and no one called him and there's a guy starting Mitchell Trubisky. Well, that guy is Ty and Mitchell Trubisky right now is his quarterback and they're playing against the curtain in the playoffs. So, does Mitchell Trubisky get his revenge against the curtain this week or should Lamar Jackson be the quarterback for the Fleetwood franchise both with decent matchups I should say too 
Trubisky's coming back in a big way. These things have a have a way of sort of catch, sort of catching up with you. Um, and I think it's gonna burn him here. Yeah, I mean, I kind of live for those justice moments. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this is this is just an all timer right here. I mean, you make that comment, and then you get to face Trubisky in the first round of the playoffs in a game where. The Bears should need to score some points to contend here. They're probably going to need a, good, a big game for Trubisky, and I think he delivers one. Um, that being said, I, I feel like he actually has a tough quarterback decision to make. I feel like Jackson could have a real good game this week, too. I mean, it's not like it's set in stone that you have to go Trubisky, but I, I, I do think Mitch has a big game. Yeah, the one concern I would have about Lamar Jackson is there's obviously a path to this being um, a massive blowout by Kansas City. Um, that's my own, and that may be a good thing for quarterbacks. Typically, you like to see your quarterback behind throwing, but um, I don't think in the Lamar Jackson case. The other funny thing here is, um, outside of Mitchell Trubisky, if there's a quarterback in the NFL that Eddie respects less, um, it would probably be Lamar Jackson. So um, he gets to really pick his poison here in terms of uh, who might go out there and beat him. I agree what you guys are saying. The Bears are going to need an effort by Trubisky. Um, Rams defense has not been impressive against quarterbacks this year, um, partially because of the fact you have to score to beat the Rams, so that definitely plays into that. Um, but I think it is a tough call. Kansas City with a bad defense as well. Jackson's been great, um, but I think you have more touchdown potential with Trubisky. Touching on what you said with Jackson, doesn't this game feel like, I mean, it could be like a 30-point game for Jackson or it could be like a four-point game. Yeah. Like if they pick it behind early, my God, it could be like him trying to lead like a team back from like 14, 17 down early. I mean, they get away from the run game. It could be could be some pick sixes in the works. He's literally become Tim Tebow where you want him to just be in a close game you know, where it's yeah. one score on either way and they have to use, everything goes through him. He can use his legs. If he's back there throwing the ball 40 times, there's no way he gets over 10 points. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Phil, any more comments about the quarterback spot for the franchise? Yeah, I, I, what, something that's interesting is the Chiefs have allowed, and I'm just reading the bubble, they've allowed quarterbacks to pick up 95 yards and four scores on just 20 carries. Um, and they're 31st ranked in, in, in yards per carry. So I feel like this could be a big Lamar Jackson rushing game. That being said, the potential justice and irony of starting Mitch Trubisky, I think, is just too great of an opportunity <laughs> for anybody to pass up. So I, for my sake, as, as someone who loves entertainment and, and scandal and controversy, I really want to see Mitch in there. Here's the bad part about it. Um... If Ty is able to make this happen and Trubisky goes nuts, if there's one guy in the league that's not going to take advantage of the opportunity to rub that in Eddie's face, um, it's going to be Ty Storms. So no one's going to get that opportunity yeah. to let him know about it, um, which is just unfortunate if it, if it were to come true. So We'll have to start off the next week's podcast with a... Oh, I'll make sure to let Eddie maybe, know about it for Ty. Instead of the intro music, it's Mitch Trubisky highlights from this weekend. <laughs> That's funny. Um, 
Alright, next question for the franchise. Uh, like Stein mentioned earlier, not some not real great matchups uh, for the franchise stars as well. Both of which including uh, his tight ends, Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. Ertz against Dallas, Kelsey at Baltimore, or against Baltimore, I think it's at Kansas City. Any concerns about those bad matchups? Uh, obviously not the types of players, defenses you want those two players to go up against. against the Bears and too I mean facing some some good defenses but yeah I mean it's two of his best players Ertz and Kelsey he counts on those guys for, for double digits every week um, I don't know that I'm overly concerned though about about either they are and pretty much have to be the focal point of their offense mm-hmm. I mean I mean with especially with Kareem Hunt out now Kelsey takes on a huge role even bigger than it was um, we saw that last week um, and Ertz, I mean, just Mr. Reliable, you know he's getting seven, eight catches. <laughs> I mean, Wentz is just looking at him all day long because the receivers in Philadelphia leave so much to be desired. <laughs> well, he doesn't target anybody else besides Ertz. <laughs> he, he drops back in every single play he thinks Ertz is open, and he'll just throw it to him. He, yep. he's, he's just he's locked in. Um, and his numbers reflect that this season. So having Ertz over anybody else, especially the likes of Vance McDonald, is a huge, huge advantage, uh, at, at least in that one position. I'm a big Robert Woods fan. I know it's not a great matchup against the Bears. But um, I think the, the quality of these guys, despite the matchup, is too good and the opportunity is too good for these players. I, I, I think they can overcome the lackluster matchups they have this week. I'm not as concerned with Woods um, either. I think the the Rams jet sweep play action will probably keep the defensive ends um, honest for the Bears. So as long as Goff can get some time back there, uh, he should be able to hit Woods for uh, at least probably an 80-yard game or so. Um, quick, most... quick, quick question for you there. W- was that some of that NFL game rewind film breakdown that you just referenced? No, my free trial's up. Uh, just no, watching no. a lot of... Rams games and listening to people that are much smarter than me talk about football. Um, I'm not going to sit there and take credit for it. I, I listen to probably eight hours of NFL podcasts per week. So um, just hearing a lot of people that are much more qualified to talk about the game than myself. So That's, that's impressive. What, to, what podcast? Uh, mainly the Ringer NFL show. So I have to give a lot of credit to uh, Robert Mays and Kevin Clark. Those guys are... Yeah, that's a, that's a really good show. Yeah, those guys are really impressive. And I find Mike Lombardi wildly entertaining, even though a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is brutal. Um, but... <laughs> so, that's... Uh, those are my those are my go-tos. Um, so, sorry, back to it. I think Kelsey has a good game. I'm not worried about him. He seems to be a monster when Kareem Hunt's not there. Uh, they end up using him more inside the 10 than they normally do. But I think Ertz has a bad game this week, so I'm just going to kind of differ in my opinion there with you guys. It's tough to find uh, linebackers that can cover Ertz, and unfortunately for Ertz, the Cowboys have two of them. Super athletic, bigger linebackers that can probably stay with him. So um, I also think this is a, a low-scoring game between these two teams, so. Ertz has scored below 10 just twice this season. 
I did see that. He's just phenomenal. I did see that. And one of the games, obviously, was the Saints game where, you know, no Eagle did anything and they stopped trying to do anything after the second quarter. So um, when you say that, it's only two other games outside of that. Indy, he was 9.8, so that's essentially double digits. And then the other game was the first game of the year with Foles at quarterback. So he's been remarkable. Um, and <laughs> it's funny. Foles was against the Colts too. I thought uh, he might have been, but it's funny. I talk about Dallas, and the last time Earth played Dallas, he went fourteen for one forty-five and two scores. So um, <laughs> that's that hard-hitting analysis you get from the. the that's, a, that's that lack of preparedness there, right in your face. Yeah, uh, Dallas is a much different team um, this week than they were four weeks ago. So. You don't think so? What? Why? What did they pick somebody up? Is this a, a, the Amari Cooper effect? Um, no, but I think they're getting confident and they're getting rolling. I mean, you don't just manhandle New Orleans like that. That's a that's a Thursday night game. I wouldn't look too much into that. All right. Some I, b- t- I believe some teams in handle it better than others. I believe in the big mo. I believe in momentum. So, and I think the Cowboys have a lot of it right now. But all you guys know that right now the Titans are running the Wildcat with Derrick Henry and the Jaguars are making him look like Walter Payton back there. Like he is just getting six, seven yards chunk every put. <laughs> he is who we thought he was. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, last question for the franchise. Total gut feel here on this one. Um, looking at the franchise lineup, we got Gus Edwards in flex two spot. Carry uh, on Johnson also with a Q in the RB two spot. I'm going to make an argument here for Chris Thompson to maybe play over one of those two guys. Uh, we saw last week what Tariq Cohen was able to do to an unathletic Giants defense. I consider Thompson and Cohen to be similarly skilled players and similarly used in their offense. So, should Chris Thompson be in this lineup for this week um, against the Giants? Yes. I, what? Absolutely. What? Over Edwards or Johnson? Johnson. Okay. Oh, my God. You're embarrassing yourself. Well, you have a chance to give your rebuttal. Um, well, I'll let Shane finish his thought. Sorry for jumping in. Go ahead. Thompson might not even play, so I mean, but the, the, this is contingent upon the fact that he play. Obviously, he, if he doesn't play, you're going to start somebody else. But are you saying Thompson should start over him regardless? Um, I think I would find a spot for him in my lineup. Yes. That's are, are, are you saying your lineup or are you saying this lineup? Oh this lineup. My God. So obviously, we know Shane's running backs. He would find a spot for Chris Thompson in his lineup. <laughs> I mean, we just saw a game where the game flow was exactly what Chris Thompson is designed for. And he put up 3.6 points with Colt McCoy being in there for, for two drives. Now he's in an off, he's a pass catching back with Mark Sanchez as his quarterback. What part of that excites anybody? Um, I want to stay as far away from that as possible. If I'm this team, 
Thompson is out on the waiver wire, and I've got Ridley on, on my bench. So I, I don't think there's any spot for, for Thompson on this roster. Yeah, I mean, Sanchez obviously is not exciting, um, and I didn't think about that part, so I will give you that. I would argue that the game script for last week wasn't necessarily a, a great Chris Thompson game script. Um, that was a 14-13 game until the fourth quarter. So, yeah, he probably should have done a little more in the fourth quarter, but um, I'm not going to also knock the fact that Sanchez obviously did not have a whole week to prepare for that spot. So I, I like, obviously, a week of preparation for a quarterback a little better. Thompson's first game back from missing four weeks as well last week. Um, but my question was more solely contingent on the fact that uh, the Giants are really poor at um, covering athletic running backs out of the backfield. And um, more about the fact that on Johnson with the Q missing the last two weeks, um, how confident can you be in what not only that Detroit offense is going to provide, but what he specifically is going to provide in that offense. So let me, let me ask you guys a question. When was the last time a third down back was relevant in a Mark Sanchez offense? <laughs> I, I can't name a single player. It's been forever since Mark Sanchez has been relevant. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark Sanchez hasn't played in the new 2018 NFL yet, rather than last week. So, more importantly, I guess would be when's the last time Adrian Peterson was able to have two great games back to back. I wonder what that is, and that may not even be relative to uh, to the point here, but. St. Peterson had a great game last week is a little misleading. Well, obviously, 90-yard touchdown. touchdown and finished with less than 100 yards from scrimmage. No, I understand. He had nine carries, 98 yards. One of those was for 90, so he had eight for eight on the other ones. But I'm more or less referring to double-digit fantasy points. So. All right, so two votes for Chris Thompson. Um, one vote for Stephen Ridley. With all that said, who wins this matchup? The dogs, or excuse me, the franchise is not close. Oh, I'm winning games. I'm not even playing it now. Oh God! Hey, you said it, not me. It's gonna be a low-scoring game. Uh, really excited about either team putting up much more than. 100, 105, somewhere in that range. And I'm going to go with... Give me the franchise. Um, I'm also going to take the franchise. Uh, Full disclosure, they are probably the team I fear the most um, in the playoffs right now. So, I've liked that team all year. I think they're tough. What, uh... What, what do you think? Um, what, what, what part of it makes you scared? That the Ertz Barkley combo. Um, Barkley is arguably unlike any player other than maybe McCaffrey that's not on my team. Um, so that's scary. Uh, just the the Trubisky games this year are terrifying because 
We've seen him have like these ridiculous forty-point games. Um, Ertz and Kelsey, obviously, really scary. Um, and Robert Woods too. He's he's tough. So, but it's mainly Barkley and the tight ends, and then just the uh, I, like I said, Trubisky has had some really big big touchdown games. So, yeah, I'd agree. Spears' team obviously is tough as well. Uh, missing Hunt is bad. Um, the clan, if they have Gordon back, they're they're very tough as well. And then uh, the Weevils. My only thing with the Weevils is Jalen Richard and the two flex plays are less than inspiring. So um, let's get into the Weevils now. They're playing the we, Good. Just, not only does he have the best team, that every piece around him is falling into place perfectly. <laughs> like, every other team's players are just dropping like flies. I know. Hilton and Ebron haven't practiced all week, all right? So, I don't want to hear don't, it. Don't, don't forget about Doyle going on IR. So, you know, the Ebron tight end one overall has no chance of stopping anytime soon. Eddie told me that um, Doyle being out hurts Ebron, so. That makes sense. <laughs> Yep. And Bull traded him. All right. Um, Clan versus Weevils, 4-5 matchup. Clan gets the, the raw deal here. Second highest scoring team in the league. Finishes 7-6. and six, um, And gets the four seed. And I'm not sure. Like He he was second by a wide margin, I want to say, too. Um, well, if you call yourself the Clan, I, I, I feel like you're probably going to get the raw end on some. No, sorry. It wasn't a wide margin. Uh, he only finished 16 ahead of Spears. But, yeah, I want to revisit maybe letting some of these guys change their team names to make this a little more of a friendly uh, website, uh, friendly league. But I'm still going to do big boy pants. That's fine. That's <laughs> never going to pass. Um, so you will always be the mirror opposite of the Desert Dogs. <laughs> I am the dry dog, and you are the wet kind of like dog. So. A wolf always kills a dog, yeah. so just FYI. Except for the 2017 championship. Um, oh, all right, so let's get into the clan as the four seed. We're going to go back to that guy again, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Full disclosure, just found out tonight that he's a junior. Didn't know that. Um, or Austin Eckler. Who would you rather play this week? Uh, right now, Eckler in there, and actually he moved Wilson into the flex. So it looks like he moved Tyler Boyd out of the lineup. Ooh, that that's kind of aggressive, isn't it? Um, I don't know if I'd be ready to give up on Boyd. How how Boyd do last week without any don't? Well, we're gonna get into Boyd, so just stick with the question, all right? Oh, sorry. Well, you mentioned it, so um, Eckler or Wilson? Who do you like better this week? Eckler. Eckler. I like Wilson. I like Wilson. Eckler stinks as a lead back. Um, so, not a, not a big fan of Eckler. I think Jackson's the play this week. Eckler seems to do better as a change of pace guy. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, so you think 
What did you say? That I was going to go across the country with some gusto this week. The Bengals? No, I just think Justin Jackson's going to... Or Josh Jackson, what's the guy's name? I don't even know. The Jackson dude. He's going he's gonna to do some stuff. Pride of Northwestern University. Correct. Um, all right, so my next question was, can Tyler Boyd be effective in the Cincinnati offense with no A.J. Green or Andy Dalton on the field? Yes. He was last week. I, I don't think Driscoll's that terrible. Shane's right. The, the answer is yes, mostly by the fact that he went for 6 for 97 last week and, and put up 12.7 fantasy points. I'm, I'm surprised he's not in the lineup. Um, yeah, I guess Boyd can. I mean, 6 for 97, you obviously would like a little more than that. Um, you'd like maybe one of those to be a score. But 12.7 is good uh, for a flex. you got to be happy with that in the flex spot. Um so, yeah, Boyd can probably succeed this week against the Chargers. Uh, I would probably have him in over Josh Gordon. Miami's been a house of horrors for New England. I thought Gordon's been all right recently. Yeah, New England doesn't play well at Miami. Yeah. Even Gordon playing well, he still hasn't had more than five catches in a game this year. Yeah, he's touchdown dependent. Boyd should get peppered with targets because the Chargers should, this should be a blowout. Phil Rivers in December. Oof. Um, Alright, next question. Uh, right now, Fegley's got the Rams D in there. It hasn't really bit him so far this year. Um, they've actually been pretty good in terms of fantasy defense, a third overall. A lot of that being uh, turnovers and um, touchdowns. They've given up a ton of points. But I think this is a bad matchup for them in terms of the defense. And, you know, he's got a guy like Bruce Ellington on his bench. I would be looking to upgrade that spot if I was him. Yeah, I would be to, to upgrade as well. Um, I do think they give up some points in this one. I think we talked about that with Trippie having a good game. Uh, I don't know that he's going to find anyone better, but I'd, be, I'd consider it. I, I think he's kind of been exploiting a little bit of a loophole in terms of uh, fantasy scoring, at, at least in my opinion. So week, week 11, they give up 45 points. Kansas City. Our defense gives up 45 points. They have um, three interceptions and, and they score uh, two touchdowns off of that. So they ended up scoring 23 points as a defense. So in my mind, a, a defense that gives up that many points, our, our scoring system is such that the points allowed doesn't really matter if you can generate turnovers. So, um, I, and I think the Rams have a pass rush. They're going to be playing with the lead a lot of the time. I, I, I think. It's definitely sustainable under our current scoring system, and, and they're a great defense to own. So I I would keep riding with them personally. So I, I know what you're saying about the scoring system. Yeah, they give up 45 points, but 
of the interceptions, fumble recoveries, and touchdowns that you just mentioned, which essentially are points that can't be taken away from you, um, they had 24 points worth of that stuff, and they scored 23 for the game. So I don't... Yeah. And I think that... It's crazy. It's like if you give up a touchdown, but then score a touchdown as a defense, that's worth a ton of points, whereas just not giving up the touchdown in the first place is only, only worth half that. But isn't that the way the NFL is going? It's it's about creating turnovers and scoring touchdowns on defense. That that's the, actually the mark of a good defense, more so than points allowed right now. Like that's what you're striving to do as a defense: is turn the ball over. I don't know if I necessarily uh, agree with that. I'm shocked if, that you don't you agree can, with anything, something I said. Yeah, I mean, if the, the the point of the defense, I don't think, is necessarily to generate turnovers. It's to keep them out of the end zone. That's fair, but um, turnovers are obviously a way to do that. So, but uh, and a lot of the turnovers are, are luck. It's not necessarily something you can control. You can apply pressure to try and generate turnovers, but I don't know. I just like, I don't have a problem. Scheming, turnovers are like a, a, it's a bonus, right? The, the number one goal is to stop them in the first place. If you can get a turnover out of it, awesome. If not, let's just keep them out of the end zone. I don't have a problem with a team getting three picks, two forced fumble recoveries, two touchdowns, and scoring well for that. I don't have a problem with that. That's what I'm saying, I guess. All right, so let me me ask you this. What if they gave up 60? What about 70? What if they gave up 80 points? At what point do you say, you know what, that defense just didn't play all that well? (laughs) I don't... And I just ran for a 54-yard touchdown. (laughs) That's stupid. Uh, I don't. It's thirty to two. It's, that's not even a real score. Um, obviously, a team that gives up eighty points in a football game probably doesn't generate five turnovers and score two defensive touchdowns. So, I'm not sure that's a relevant conversation to be had. Um, so, but under our current scoring system, would they even be penalized for that, or doesn't it cap out? I think it caps out because I don't think anybody's ever scored 80 points in an NFL game, so. That's where we're heading. Uh, it's going to be Big 12 football soon. I don't even think Big 12 teams score 80 points a game, Phil. Snuffy's never happened? You give up. Right, I must be making it up now. No, this is funny. It's actually, so you get to 46 points and more. Um, anything over 46 is minus 5. So they were a point away from getting three more points deducted from their their total. So, But it caps out at 46, yes. But, no, I mean, credit to, to the, the, the racist clan. Um, that's no. the scoring that's set up, so play it. Yeah, good job for him uh, keeping them to 45 in that one and not getting to 46. Nice job. Shane, why do you have that schoolgirl smile? <laughs> Moving on. All right, uh, let's go to the Weevils. Is is Zeke the highest scoring non quarterback player in round one in our league? Mm. Of the four teams that are playing. No, he's not. No, give me the field. 
I knew I knew you were gonna say that. Last time somebody said that it came true. So who do you guys like better than Zeke, I guess, would be my follow up to that. And don't say the field. I'll take anyone on the Desert Dogs and it's not close. I'm not playing this week. No, it was a joke. <laughs> Um, I know I, I in all seriousness I, I am taking Zeke this week I, I think he puts up a 35 point effort against that atrocious Eagles run defense uh, the Eagles actually have a really good run defense so I'm going to take Saquon Barkley against the Redskins what about uh, I like Zeke as well that's why I asked the question I'm just trying to think of another player that maybe we could throw out there. Um, I would love Melvin Gordon if he's going to play, but I don't see that happening. Um, So that's obviously one that's in play. Odell has to be in play, right? Can can I ask a follow-up question on a point Shane just made? So where do you see that the Eagles have a really good run defense because the last time they played Zeke had 180 scrimmage yards and, and two touchdowns and they're classified in terms of stats as a mid-range run defense not to mention they're, they're one or two bad series away from completely quitting on Doug Peterson I think uh, they're going to play well this week so don't worry about it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, what did Zeke do <laughs> against them? Um, sorry. The Eagles were very good as a run defense until week 10 through 12. Um, they had only had one real clunker against the running back position. That was week six against Barkley. They gave up 39.6 to running backs that week. Um, other than that, they didn't give up more than 17.5 to a running back until that week 10 through 12 stretch. So, Shane, I got your back. Thanks, bud. Listen to this. Zeke's last four games, 34.7, 30.6, 23.8, 22.5. My God. Yep. He's been, uh, he's been pretty awesome lately. It's weird. Once you start using your best player in the screen game and not just pounding him between the guards 30 times a game, uh, he starts to do some stuff. So it's weird how that works out. All for innovative offense. Uh, all right, so Bears D. Same question, similar to what we talked about, the Rams D. Bears D has been the top defense in football this year, um, but you cannot like this matchup against the Rams um, so, do you think he should consider playing the Vikings the at Seattle Monday night? Uh, nah. I'm good with it. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think I, I would have considered it, but I guess at home, uh, 
still reason enough to believe that the Rams did not play well last week against Detroit. So reason to believe they could probably turn Goff over once or twice, get to the quarterback a few times, and the Bears always seem to find a way to get in the end zone defensively. So still probably a decent play. Last question for the Weevils. Can Julio Jones bounce back <clears throat> this week? Should be a good matchup against the Packers, but um, Matt Ryan in cold weather, I just, Julio's one of those players that you can't really, in my opinion, envision him playing well in cold weather. So how do you guys feel about uh, Julio this week? Huge game for Julio Jones this week. Really huge. Check out his last three road games. For 121 score, 7 for 107 score, 11 for 147. My God, the Packers are packing it in. This is going to be a big game for Julio Jones this week. Yeah, no, I I, I kind of side with what Cause mentioned that I don't see like Julio Jones in long sleeves <laughs> having a good game. I don't, I don't, I, I just can't picture it because mm-hmm. I feel like I've never seen it before. Every time Matt Ryan and, and Julio are outside in, in a cold weather situation, they, they just fold and, and don't even show up. That being said, Green Bay is probably also in a similar situation where they, they don't really have a whole lot to play for at this point. So maybe that evens out. I, I, I don't know. But um, obviously you're, you're locking and loading Julio in any format or scoring that you have. I just don't know if I feel 100% confident in it the same way I do with some of the other elite wide receiver ones. He's having, like, one of the all-time great seasons. This is ridiculous. Just looking at his game logs. Over 100 yards. One, two, three, four, eight times already through 13 weeks over 100 yards. And most of those significantly over 100 yards. I'm talking 150 Yard, 140-yard games. Um, just a wild year that that dude's having. Really underrated, too. Um, so, good job by him. And I think he has a decent game this week. I don't think it's going to be of the 20-point variety. Um, but I'll put it in the 12 to 15 range. All right. Look at that 2.8 line from last week. Oh, it's so weird, isn't it? Um, all right, who wins? Clan versus Weevils. This, this one's going to be really close. I uh, I don't even know how you pick one of them. I, I think I like Zeke a little bit better on the elite talent-wise, and I think I go with Bull, but it's really close. I think I'm going to go with Bull. It's really close. I feel like we didn't touch on it, but I feel like Begley's got to get Winston in over Goff now. Um. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Weevils. I heard a great stat this week. Um, last week, Jameis Winston passed Josh Freeman as the all-time touchdowns leader in Buccaneers history. <laughs> That is seem some sad passing history. <laughs> that, that's so sad. <laughs> Even passing Brad Johnson. Yeah, he only had like two or three years, I think, um, in Tampa. 
but so did Josh Freeman, I guess. And so is Jameis Winston. So <laughs> it's interesting. I'm going to take the clan. I don't know why. Um, but I, I re- if Gordon was playing, this would be a slam dunk for me because I think that would be a two-touchdown game for Gordon. Um, but I'm going to take the clan. Just a, just a gut. So next- Tyreek Hill is due for a monster. <laughs> he is. Uh, and they're at home this week, and that's where Tyreek Hill plays well at home. So, he has not had some great road games other than the, the Rams game. Um, otherwise, he's been, and I guess the Patriots as well, he's been, and the Chargers. But other than that, uh, he seems to do better at home in his career. So, Alright, so that, if uh, you guys took the Weevils, so both, you guys both took the wild card teams. Uh, we do reseed in round two, so that would put me against the franchise and Spears against the winner of this game based on what we've said so far tonight. Um, so can't wait to see how it actually ends up and see what we're talking about next week. You guys have anything else for this week? I'll take the uh, Desert Dogs over the bye. It's not close. No reason not to Gotta say, I uh, for someone that's not involved in the playoffs at all, I'm like super excited to, to watch both of these games this weekend. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I think we're gonna have two good games. Um, yeah, I I'm invested. I, I I'm not even close to making the playoffs, but I, I I can't wait to watch these teams square off. I mean, I haven't felt this way about football since the uh, the '07 Pat season. It's just everyone chasing down one team. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like David, bunch of Davids versus versus Goliath, right? Um, and I also think Goliath is very beatable. I mean, Kaz's roster is one girly, twisted ankle away from being completely mediocre. So I, I, I can't wait to watch. Yep, that's uh, that's probably a fair point. You take anyone's best player off their team, and they would instantly become mediocre. So. Can't argue uh, with you there. I, I, I think Gurley and Kamara are, are more of a <clears throat> top tier elite guy than you know me losing like a James Conner would be. That's fair. Whatever. I'm not going to argue with you anymore at this point. There's no reason to. So. <laughs> All right. That wraps up uh, week fourteen the quarterfinals of the Sons of Fantasy Football League. Um, I'll let you guys pick which song we go home to here. Do you guys want um, Road to Recovery or Work Wonders? Go Work Wonders. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's see what we got here. <laughs> 